Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome in, everybody, to GC Live Afternoon Drive. It is February 1st, 2024, which means we are getting closer to the Senior Bowl taking place this weekend. We'll get you an update on that on as far as how Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett are performing out in Mobile, Alabama. We'll also discuss a little bit of Joe DiCamillis, the new special teams coordinator, who will be officially introduced as South Carolina's new special teams coach, as well as the associate head coach, Tomorrow, we as we tape this show on Thursday, that press conference will be held tomorrow morning at 10.45 a.m. We'll get you caught up on everything you need to know about that. But Kyle Markway was a player on the Rams when they won the Super Bowl, when Dee Camillus was special teams coordinator there a couple of years back. He'll be joining us on the show as well in a pre-taped interview. Some great insight from um, Markway, who really provides – a sense of comfort, I felt like, from a recruiting standpoint, right? People want to try to nitpick every hire. And with this hire, it feels like everyone is pretty much on the same page, which is this is a really good hire. But having said that, the only nitpicking I've seen really is, okay, can this guy recruit? And Mark Way provides some good insight as far as that goes. I will get you updated too, like I said, on how Xavier Leggett and Spencer Rattler are performing. I'm continuing to look at it. Like, all they have three different monitors around me. I'm going to continue to make sure that if anything pops up that is worth sharing, that we will share that with you guys today. Having said all that, having said all that, if you guys have any questions, as always, let us know. Pass it along. It might be a comment, too, whether you're watching on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. We appreciate everyone tuning in today. Craig, Josh, what's up, fellas? SC Scout Guy says, now that BC's coach is headed to Bama, and it's not Bama, he's headed to Green Bay, SC Scout Guy. Now that he's headed there, is there any chance that Jaden McGowan might be back in the mix? I don't see that being the case. For those of you who missed that last night, half of the BC head football coach 
is headed to Green Bay to become the next defensive coordinator of the Packers. I don't see that being a possibility of McGowan coming back to South Carolina. I say coming back, obviously he's from South Carolina, but with how things played out, verbally committing to South Carolina, then he goes up there, and I know he took to social media and had, as I've said before, in this new era with NIL, it's all right to take the, the, the kitty gloves off when we talk about some of these individuals, all right? We talked about this before, probably about a month ago, whenever everything kind of came up. Um, and no worry, and no worry. There's a lot of movement right now in the coaching world, so I don't blame you. Um, no, I think but when he left, when he verbally committed to South Carolina, and then he decides to go up to Boston College, and again, I know he downplayed some of this on social media, but here's the reality of it. He went up to Boston College, and the South Carolina coaches were not aware of it. So how would you feel if a player verbally commits to you NIL stuff aside, goes up and visits another school. This is in the transfer portal era, right? It's a little bit different, I'd say, in comparison to committing to a school out of high school verbally. A little different. Because obviously that timeline is much shorter. And coaches, they're trying to get their lineups in order. They're trying to figure out from a roster standpoint how many scholarships they can use, how many they have available. And you essentially just wasted their time. So having said all that, at the end of the day, if USC feels like they can make a decision that they feel like is in the best interest of the program, a business decision that is, we saw that with Gilbert Edmond returning to South Carolina after playing at Florida State last year. There are certainly outliers. There are certainly cases that you can point to and say, okay, well, this is a unique situation. I get that. This case, I can't see it happening. I can't see it. And we'll pull up as we do, it feels like every show. We'll pull up what that wide receiver room is looking like. We talked about it before, but we'll dig into it a little bit more today because I think it's appropriate with this news here because I'm sure you're not going to be the only one that brings that up today. And then Craig mentions a lot of 5'8", 5'10", receivers. So I think it's a good day to talk about Wide receivers here on the program. All right, having said all that, before we get into this interview with Kyle Markway, the hire of Joji Camillus. I mentioned it on Tuesday, my thoughts on GC Live Talking Tuesday. I mentioned it last Thursday when I told you guys this was a name to keep an eye on. Let's hit on a couple things that... Some people might not have heard, maybe not um, remember from last week, or maybe not have, don't subscribe to Gamecock Central, which is all right. Come on board if you're not a member already. One dollar for the first month at GC. Jody Camillus was a guest speaker at Shane Beamer's coaching clinic last March. In addition to that, I was told from people close to the program that D. Camillus actually sat in, at least on one meeting, and watched film with some of the players. So I say that because when you do that, when you do that, it shows that you have trust in an individual. Now, obviously, it's easy to say that right now because he's hiring him, and not just hiring him as a special teams coordinator, but he's also naming him his associate head coach. And I'm talking about him meaning Shane Beamer. But I also think, too, what it shows is that these players are familiar to an extent about who Joe DiCamillis is. And when you look at that special teams room, and obviously there's multiple layers to it, but what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Alex Herrera, right? Coming in, he's going to be competing for Mitch Jeter's old job. Kai Kroger. And on top of that, Hunter Rogers. It starts with those three. Those three are your core special team guys. Now, obviously, Mason Love's going to come in. He's going to compete. But what I'm trying to get at is those guys were all there when Joe came on through a year ago. So I, I, there is this, this trust that Beamer has with him. 
But I also think, too, listening to what Kyle Markway had to say, which, again, we're going to play that shortly, I think it also goes to show that he's a guy that, from a recruiting standpoint, because I know, and that was one question I asked Kyle, naturally there's going to be people, part of any hiring process, head coach, assistant, whatever, naturally they're going to look at the negatives in a hire. And I totally understand that. In this case, it feels like the majority of people have looked at the DeCamillo's hire and they've said, man, that's a home run hire, especially replacing the guy that he is going to have to replace. And that's Pete Lembo. Because Lembo, as we all know, it was much more than just X's and O's. Phenomenal X's and O's guy. But in addition to that, his 15 years of head coaching experience, 30 plus years of coaching college football, we're talking not just Power 5 football, but Group 5 football, FCS football, and Division 3 football. So what Lembo was able to bring to the table, he brought a lot. He brought a lot. Now, having said that, T. Camillus, yeah, he only has one year of college experience as far as coaching goes. And that was this past season being the special assistant to the head coach. And that head coach was Steve Sarkeesian at the University of Texas. Not a bad program to be a special assistant to the head coach to especially a team that made it to the college football playoff last year. But the fact that he has been in football for over friggin' 30 years, 30 years, it's not like this is just some guy that was coaching for a couple years. I mean, he's been doing this for 30 years. And he understands the importance of building relationships. We heard that from Lembo before in the past, right? The role that Lembo was in, which... Decamillus will now be in. It requires you to build relationships with everyone on the team. It allows you and it frees you up because it's not like Decamillus's special teams coordinator slash linebackers coach or slash safeties coach, or whatever the case may be. Like we see at some schools, that's not the case. Yes, he's the associate head coach. That allows him to overlook everything. And that's one of the reasons why, too. Shane Beamer wanted to go down this road. I mean, he mentioned it last week. Last Friday, we played the sound bites on Tuesday's show. But when I asked him as far as some of the things you were looking for and what went into the decision, and obviously at that time he couldn't say DeCamillus' name because it wasn't a done deal and it got finalized on Monday. But he mentioned that there were different different options that he was looking at it wasn't as simple as just saying okay we're gonna bring in this person and he'll be the special teams coordinator or if that doesn't work out we'll bring someone else and they'll be he talked about possibly even doing it himself but the fact that you're able to bring d camillus in here my goodness great hire great hire david says watching from cedar hill texas wonder what the weather's like down there david let us know how is it here today? Just under 60? Columbia? Baseball right around the corner? We'll take it. If it's 60 in a couple weeks for opening day, we'll take that for sure. All right, having said all that, let's get into the interview. Let's get into the interview. With Kyle Markway. Pull this up on our screen here. In this interview, to give you guys a heads up, it, we, we talked a lot about Joe DiCamillis, and then towards the end of it, Kyle gave us an update as far as what he's been up to. So that's kind of how this interview went, about 12 minutes long. And we'll have this posted on Gamecock Central later on, in case you want to go back and watch it, or if you have any uh, comments on it, you can go back and watch and comment underneath. All right, let's get Kyle Markway up. Here we go. Joining us now is former Gamecock tight end and Super Bowl champion Kyle Markway. Kyle, appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Gamecock community is very excited about this hire with Joe D. Camillus. I know you have the opportunity to work with him. He was your special teams coordinator 
with the LA Rams, especially during that Super Bowl year. What can you tell Gamecock fans about the coach that they just hired? Uh, I can tell them that they're in good hands. Um, as soon as I saw that tweet that you you know posted uh, a few days ago before the, the hiring was even official, um, it just it got me super excited um, for Gamecock Nation uh, because I know um, how much how, how good of a fit it will be with Joe D and, and Gamecock Nation. He's a he's a football coach that you know truly loves the game. Uh, he loves he loves football. He's got a ton of knowledge. And he's just going to bring a ton of you know of good stuff to to this program. What do you remember about whether it be meetings with him, how he is out there on the field, how he is with his players? I mean, these are things that obviously more internally are important, but naturally this fan base is going to be interested to see what this guy's all about because I don't know how much you were following along with Pete Lembo and what he was able to do here in his three years, but Pete built a strong connection, not just with the players, but with the community. And a lot of that, of course, had to do with the success on the field from Lembo. Yeah, what I can tell you from Joe D is is he's going to be consistent with what he does every day. Um, as a special teams coordinator, you got to be able to connect with, you know, the offensive line, the defensive line every single player and, and Jody makes, I think that was the biggest thing that stood out to me um, while being around him was the connections that he makes with the players um, on a personal level. He really shows how much he cares about you and it's, it makes it easy to go out there and fight for him and, and take what he, he teaches you in the meeting room and, and go do it for him because, you know, he just, when he shows that he cares about you as a player, uh, it makes it that much easier to go out there and do it for the field on him. Do it on the field with them. You know that when it comes to hirings, whether it be the head coach, whether it be an assistant coach, naturally the fan base, they're always going to try to nitpick different parts of someone's resume. I feel like with D. Camillus, the a good portion of this fan base looks at it and they're all saying the same thing, like, wow, this is a great hire, especially after losing someone like Lembo. But naturally they're going to try to find something. That something has been, well, He's been coaching in the NFL for over 30 years. How much does he, uh, how, how impactful can he be as a recruiter? What would you tell people who are worried about that? I would tell them that, like I said, as a special teams coach, you need to be able to connect with everybody. Um, and looking at his resume, he's been in the NFL doing this for, I don't know how many years, uh, a, a ton. And he's got two Super Bowl rings. Um, and I think if, if you're not able to connect with somebody, then he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't have been able to do what he's done. Um, and, and, you know, like I said before, that's the one thing that stood out to me was his ability to connect with, you know, not only the special teams captain, but guys who don't even, you know, play special teams or, or, or minimal part of special teams. He makes it, you know, a priority of his to, to build those relationships and to keep them and not to do it. And, you know, some fake and phony way, he, he truly means it. And, you know, I think that's why he, he's so good at what he does is he loves his job and loves to connect with these players. And I think he'll have no problem connecting with these, you know, these Gamecock fans and this, uh, you know, this place that loves football so much. And he's just two football people coming together. And it's and I think it's going to be great. Put yourself in a player's shoes right now, right? Let's say you're back at South Carolina right now. You're a sophomore. You had an opportunity to play for a Lumbo last year. And you have this guy in there that has, like you said, that extensive resume of being in the NFL. He brings in two Super Bowl rings as a special teams coordinator. We've seen over the last couple of years a handful of players make it to the next level, and they've credited the ability to be able to play special teams at South Carolina. You know that from your time at USC. How impactful can that be that he has done it in the NFL for such a long period of time, but he's also had success as far as those players in the room in terms of trying to earn that trust. I know he's going to go in there and he's going to do everything he can to earn the players trust, but being on the other side of it, how do you think the players will look at him right away? Uh, I mean, I think they'll look at him um, and, and I think they'll connect with him just like I did. Um, I was a practice squad guy who signed as a free agent, you know, and I didn't really have a role. Um, but I, you know, I made a priority to connect with, you know, especially his coach. Cause I know, how, how much that can help you, you know, build your career in the NFL. Uh, and I think that, you know, doing that and showing them that you care 
and show up to work every day and just like he does, be consistent. Um, one thing in L.A. is, you know, we didn't have that much time to do special teams. Um, so I'm excited to see, you know, with Beamer and uh, how much he prioritized, you know, how much he focuses on special teams um, and allowing Jody to have that extra time. Um, I think the players and, and him will come up with some good stuff and, and put some good stuff on the field. I'm going to make both of us feel old here, but this will be coming up this year, five years since you last played at South Carolina. I remember covering you when I first got down here in 2016 and covering your first couple. Of, I bring that up, though, because what have you been up to? We were talking before we hopped on here. I know you're tackling a, a new opportunity right now, but you, you hopped around a lot. But at the same time, too, you did something that, Number one, not a lot of people can say they did, which is being able to play professional football. But number two, even fewer people can say you were part of a Super Bowl winning team with the Rams. Yeah, and I give a lot of credit to, you know, um, South Carolina and Columbia for for setting me up so well playing the SEC, playing in front of a great fan base like this. It gave me a lot of motivation to, you know, go on to the NFL and 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 make everybody proud. Um, I was very fortunate to have, um, you know, two and a half, three years of experience in the NFL. Um, and like you said, I was part of that Super Bowl winning team, which a lot of people aren't able to do. So I'm very blessed and lucky um, to be able to achieve that. Um, I have I played in the USFL last year. Um, body kind of started breaking down on me. Just I put a lot of, you know, when I, when I play this game, I, I dedicate my whole life to it. Um, and it was just very hard on me to put all this work and time into it and for my body not to hold up and um, to be able to achieve everything I want to achieve, I decided to move on and pursue a family business in construction along with getting my real estate license in Illinois and um, hopefully Missouri here soon. So I'm excited to take everything I learned with football and, and, you know, use that in the real world and to grow this family business and to, um, keep doing good things in this world and hopefully make Game Talk Nation proud, even though it's not football. I got to ask you, because I asked Elshon this, we did an interview with Elshon Jeffrey about a year ago, actually probably on the eve or the day of the Super Bowl last year. And I asked him, I said, where do you keep the ring? I know that's probably a question that you get asked a good bit, but where do you keep the ring? I keep it my, right now it's in my, I was staying at my parents' house. So it's downstairs in the big old safe. I probably haven't seen it in, eight months you know i rarely take it out uh, i keep it down there hidden uh, i actually just got a safe at my house i'm hoping to move it over here so i can you know take it out every once in a while I'll just look at it you know it's just fun to just look at sometimes <laughs> last thing last thing i'll ask well two two of your old teammates javon killon and devo samuel will be looking to do that too they obviously are representing south carolina super bowl next week so we'll have to wait and see how they do last thing i'll ask you what has it been like watching from afar? I mean, you've obviously went through some ups and downs in terms of teams at South Carolina. It's natural, right? I mean, that's that comes with playing the game, and you know that better than anyone playing it at the highest level. I say that because when you look at what South Carolina has done in three years, I know you didn't play for Shane Beamer, but you know he's been able to do some good things. And again, as a former player, what is that like watching from afar from what he's been able to accomplish, especially knowing – how difficult it is. No, it's, it's, it's awesome. Um, the program has come so far. And the, the thing I notice um, watching is just how much fun these guys have and how much these guys love and care for each other. Um, that's, that's such a big part of, you know, having fun and, and winning football. And, you know, some of my favorite things to see is guys like, you know, Xavier Leggett and guys like Darius, Darius Rush who, had these slow starts, like they're a freshman or, you know, younger guys when I was there, but they stuck it out. They didn't transfer. They didn't move on. They stuck it out and they just grinded and, and improved under this coaching staff. And that just shows um, that, that Gamecock Nation is in good hands with this coaching staff and they can develop. And if you just stick it through and, you know, stay consistent and good things will happen. Can I hit on one more thing with you before we wrap up? You bring that up. You bring that up, and obviously, again, this is going to make both of us feel like you know we're the old guys in the room here. But you mentioned those two players in particular. I mean, two great stories. Darius, of course, he's with the Steelers right now. Xavier Leggett having a, a phenomenal day as we taped this on Wednesday. Had a phenomenal day at the Senior Bowl practice. College football has changed a lot 
since you last played. Mm-hmm. I mean, NIL, Portal, all that. But I say that because there's a lot of talented players that are coming in. They're going to be trying to wait their turn. What would you tell players like that that are going through the process? Because, I mean, those are two prime examples of guys who, you know, again, obviously the error is different. Xavier could have done it. But, you know, guys are going to have opportunities to go elsewhere. But what would you tell college football players, especially the guys at South Carolina, in terms of just, you know, pushing through it and and going through that process? I would say um, my one of the biggest things that came out from playing at South Carolina is the friendships that I've created. Um, And you don't create those friendships and those bonds in, you know, a year, two years. It's it's going through those three, four years of, of grind and, and hard work and blood and sweat and tears with these guys that that these friendships that you'll build will last you know way way past your college career and um and just you know stick through it uh, put your head down um there's gonna be things in life that come up but you can't just run away from them you got to go you know head on and 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 believe in yourself and you know good things will happen all right there you go Kyle Markway joining us today on the program. Again, if you want to go back, maybe you missed some of that, head on over. That was a pre-taped interview that we have over on Gamecock Central. That interview will be posted immediately at the conclusion of today's program. All right, having said all that, let's get some updates as far as how Senior Bowl week is going for a duo out there. Spencer Rattler, Xavier Leggett, doing some good things. Down to Mobile, Alabama, or over in Mobile, Alabama. I wasn't great at geography, trying to figure out where it is right now. But point being is those two guys balling out right now. Been paying attention throughout the week today. Been trying my best as they wrap up practice right now. But the thing that I've noticed, let's talk about Spencer first. And I said some of this today on 107.5 The Game with Wes and Chris and Tyler Head. But when I watch Rattler out there, and even seeing some of the throws he had today, what's evident is here's a guy that had the opportunity to go work with an NFL offensive coordinator for a year. And I think, number one, obviously you have to have the talent. You have to have the talent. But being able, number one, to work with a guy like Dow helped out Spencer in ways that I don't think people truly understand. Having an opportunity to interview NFL insider Field Yates a couple months back, Field talked about it. He said, man, it, it's crazy how many people want to write off Dow Loggins because you know the teams that he worked with, maybe they weren't that great, the teams itself. But Dow has a tremendous reputation in the NFL. So when you look at it, okay, Spencer had a chance to work with an NFL offensive coordinator, or a long-time NFL offensive coordinator, on top of that one that's very, very well-respected in the league, you don't think some of these guys are picking up the phone or will be picking up the phone and asking, hey, what can you tell us about Spencer Rattler? What can you tell us about what this kid's character is like or what he's like as a leader or what he's like at practice every day? Of course those things are going to happen. I mean, it happens, you know, given Shane Beamer a call giving their positional coach coordinators a call. I mean, it happens every year, but what I'm trying to get at is Loggins has a great reputation. So I feel like his word goes a little bit further than maybe some other players would. So that's where I start with it. I think the other thing too is, yeah, it was obviously very unfortunate that South Carolina had a uh, numerous amounts. Uh, they had numerous injuries. The amount of injuries they had on the offensive line, it was absolutely ridiculous, right? Musical cheers galore all season. Having said all that, he had to go out there and make things happen. Get sacked nine times against North Carolina week one. And yet USC still had an opportunity to win that game. If you remember, I mean, they were down in the red zone. They had an opportunity to at least cut it to single digits at that point. I bring these things up because despite everything negative last year that happened to that team, especially stuff that Rattler had to deal with, he came out of it extremely battle-tested. Now, 
big picture, talking about the South Carolina football program. Of course, you don't want to see that, right? You want your team to go out there and just friggin' perform. But it's over with. Can't go back. Can't erase things. It's already happened. For Rattler, he's been able to turn that into a positive. And when you look at him and the way that he's been able to perform, and again, I've only seen bits and parts of today's practice in comparison to what I saw the last two days. And I think someone asked, is it on TV? Yes, NFL Network. Uh, about to wrap up. But um, I say that because what we've seen from Rattler is a guy that looks poised out there, is someone that is very smart with making decisions with the football, had some beautiful back shoulder throws today. Beautiful. And I'm not going to go as far as to say, all right, you know, he's better than this person, better than that. But what I will say is I feel like he's more prepared than some of these other quarterbacks out there simply because he had to do more with less. I mean, we're talking about schools like LSU, right? Jaden Daniels won the Heisman. You're looking at schools like um, Washington, Michael Penix, and how close they were to trying to win a national championship for crying out loud. A lot of these guys, I mean, they were surrounded by a lot of good pieces. And that's not to say that Rattler didn't have any good pieces, one of them, of course, being Xavier Leggett. And Leggett, of course, at the Reese's Senior Bowl. We'll see both these guys perform this weekend. But, again, I think the thing with Rattler and from talking with some of the scouts that I've spoke with within, let's say, over the last, I don't know, 12 to 36 hours, I mean, everything that they've said to to me about their just their takeaways about Rattler have been things that if you've been paying attention to South Carolina football for the last shoot last year really none of this should surprise you it shouldn't surprise you one bit shouldn't surprise you one bit I saw a comment or is it Martin said did Xavier get injured One of the reports is Xavier Leggett now on the sideline, on the bench, no helmet. Now, that was around 2.03. I don't have any specifics. Okay, Matt Miller. Matt Miller does a great job over at ESPN. Matt Miller reported. Potential first-rounder Xavier Leggett experienced some ankle soreness in practice throughout the week. After participating in practice on Tuesday and Wednesday and trying to work through the injury on Thursday, he decided to end practice early. So, there you go. Matt Miller, ESPN, reporting that Xavier Leggett has been battling some ankle soreness all week, and that's the reason why he didn't finish up practice today. So there you go. We'll continue to monitor that. And I hope he's able to go on Saturday because as we we shift gears now, and almost said swift gears, uh, yeah, we don't have to deal with any of that this week. One more week to go until the Super Bowl. But – as we shift gears to Xavier, the thing about Xavier that he's doing, he's showing people, yeah, he's a big guy, he's got speed, but he has the ability to play both on the perimeter as well as playing in the slot. We saw that at South Carolina. We saw that. So a lot of the things that I'm mentioning right now, we've already seen, but now he's doing it up against players who are considered some of the best of the best for this year's draft class. He did some good things yesterday. And I say yesterday because, again, I really haven't had a chance to see him too much as Spencer Rattler drops back. Nice little check down pass to the running back in the middle as they do some team red zone period. And Rattler remains out there. A little play action, a little check down to the running back. Give you guys some play-by-play. But the thing with Leggett, he was also making things happen going across the middle yesterday. Obviously the deep ball, but I feel like he's improving as a route runner. It was one of those things in terms of crispness. You know, you listen to some of what, of what, what the scouts are saying and some of their critiques about him. He's not one of those guys that is going to kill you or blow you away as far as his route running ability. Again, this is what we try to do. You try to nitpick. And this is what teams are doing across the, the, the country right now for all these guys. But where he is really talented in 
he has that size. He can make up for some of that. And because of the speed. So I say that because obviously playing at the next level, there's only so much where, you know, talent is going to allow you to do good things because you're going up against the best of the best in the world. You're in the NFL, you're going up against the best of the best. So now you need to be able to really take advantage of obviously your abilities, but you also need to sharpen up some of those things that maybe you, you were able to get away with at the college level, or maybe it just wasn't as sharp. I think Leggett is going to be one of those guys who's only going to continue to get better. He proved that this past year, right? But he has the size. He has the speed. People talking about his hand size. I mean, this is what we do, right? This is what people talk about. Quarterbacks and receivers, it feels like more than anything, because his hands aren't that big. He's a baller. He's a playmaker. He makes plays. He somehow, when it goes up for a pass, it looks like he's freaking hovering over defensive backs for crying out loud. Just stays up there forever. And as Field Yates mentioned during that interview from a couple months ago to me, it's all about projections. When you look at a player, I think people get so caught up sometimes about the stats. Obviously, what X did this past season from a statistical standpoint, it was obviously his best season at South Carolina. It was a near record-breaking season as he made a push to take over Alshon's spot for the most receiving yards in a season. But more importantly than that, it proved what he's capable of doing. He put tape out there. But it also showed the scouts through that tape, the GMs, the coaches, what he's capable of becoming, being able to take that next step. So that's why the projections of where a player is, that's what it comes down to. That's all this is. All the NFL draft is in evaluating players is projections on how a player can perform at the next level. It's not about what a player did in college. It's about how good. I mean, that's why you see some smaller school players or maybe some school or some players from some schools that are a group five schools or even FCS players here. It's all about projections. All about projections. All right. Having said all that, let's get back to some comments. I do want to hit on the wide receiver group. Travis mentions he began. I'm talking about Dal, about being an OC when he was young. Martin mentions, hoping uh, Leggett goes to my Ravens with Zay Flowers. And I know Zay had a tough weekend. The talented wide receiver from Boston College. Hell of a story. I remember actually doing a story on him when I was up in Boston last year. Comes from like a family of, I think it's like seven or eight siblings. Um, phenomenal story. Having said all that, he's someone that the Ravens are going to continue to to go to. I mean, he had a hell of a year. Again, didn't end the way that your Ravens would have liked Martin. Um, and I know he again he had a rough weekend, but yeah, you have a guy like Zay Flowers out there and a guy like Xavier Leggett. My goodness, that's why it's going to be interested to see how long it takes Leggett to get drafted. I think he'll be a second-round pick. I think he'll be an early to mid-second-round pick. That's what it sounds like, maybe towards that mid, if you ask me right now. But um, I think he has the ability to really do some special things in the next level just because, like I said, you can't teach size. You can't teach speed. You can't teach players to just like hover in the air, for crying out loud, making snags over shorter defensive players. So, and then, you know, talking about Rattler, I see Chris mentioned, you know, Rattler to the Cowboys to replace Dak. I would love it. I think what's going to happen with Rattler is I think Rattler will go to a situation where he'll either be the number two or even the number three quarterback. Teams aren't going to look at Rattler in the same way that they'll look at uh, Jaden Daniels or Caleb Williams or even Drake May. They're not going to look at him as being the guy that they can build their franchise around. And that's okay. Because if anything, I think what's going to happen is Rattler will go to a better situation where he doesn't have to be the guy. And what's going to happen is, God forbid, an injury happens. And if you go back and look at the number of injuries to starting quarterbacks this past season, despite the NFL 
making it safer and safer, trying to protect the quarterback. There were so many opportunities for number two guys, even number three guys to come in and get some reps. So I say that because I think if anything, the pressure will be off Rattler wherever he goes, most likely, because he'll end up in a situation where he'll be that backup and he'll have an opportunity to prove why he's why he's in the NFL. And I think, if anything, I think if someone gives him an opportunity, if he earns that opportunity to get into an NFL game, whether that be next year, whether that be two years from now, I think what he's going to do is he's going to prove to people why and show, but prove to people why he deserves to be a starter in the NFL. So I think some people are writing him off. And I say some, I'm talking more so people that didn't watch him in Columbia this past season. But I think wherever he ends up, I think he's going to be an absolute steal. We talk about just value, right? If he is a late day two guy, early day three, call it. If that is the case with Spencer Rattler, I mean, you talk about a steal. And I mentioned that just because that's where some of the projections are right now. I, I feel like he's going to be a steal. I feel like he will be a steal. No question about it. Leggett will probably get drafted ahead of Spencer, but I, I think both players have high ceilings, very high ceilings at the next level. All right, I want to mention the wide receiver room real quick. Because I talked about the wide receiver room. May have been last week. As far as the projections, as far as what I expect the top six to be. So as you see it right now, and as a reminder, this is just the scholarship players on South Carolina's roster that you're looking at. And as we've mentioned before, your two most productive returning wide receivers, not players who were productive elsewhere, I'm talking guys who were here that are back at South Carolina. Your two most productive wide receivers from a year ago as far as receptions go, number one, Luke Doty with 13. Number two, Nicholas Harbor with 12. So that is as far as a production standpoint goes. The additions of Jared Brown from Coastal Carolina, Amari Huggins-Bruce coming in, transferring in from Louisville, and then uh, Gage Laverdane coming in from Miami of Ohio. You bring a lot of experience in there, a lot of experience, not to mention the players that were already on the roster in addition to Mazio Bennett and DeBron Gatlin coming in as true freshmen. This is what I'll say about the wide receiver room. There's a lot of young talent in this room. There's a lot of unproven talent in this room. Nicholas Harbor, I know some people want would love to see him take that next step as far as being the number one guy. I don't think he's there yet. I don't think he's there. And that's okay. I don't think he has to be there quite yet. I think he did a lot of good things last year. I think what people need to continue to remember is this is a guy that was a five-star coming out of high school as an athlete because of his ability of playing tight end and defensive end, still learning the wide receiver position. I think doing some of the things he did, especially late in the year, and then continuing to build on that this upcoming spring, it's only going to help him. It's only going to help him be able to be the type of player that everyone, including himself, expects him to be. So I think as far as the top six for right now, and I say top six, what I'm talking about, what I can see heading into week one, because again, there's so much young talent here. And if players step up and they're going to need to, they're going to need to. I mean, you look at some of the players. I mean, one player that I think is going to have an incredible season is Tyshawn Russell. You know, appeared in 10 games as a true freshman last year including the final nine games, caught five passes for 81 yards and a touchdown. I really liked what Russell did last year. Really liked what Russell did. But you put Russell aside, 
Elijah Codwell, he dealt with some injuries early on in the season. He still has four years of eligibility left. Kelton Henderson appeared in two games. And then C.J. Adams. So I mentioned those three because I expect at least one of those guys to emerge from that group to compete for that top six spot that we that we talk about. But here's my top six. I had this out earlier in the week. You can go to GamecockCentral.com, see the early breakdown on South Carolina's wide receiver room for 2024. This is the updated version, so the 2.0 version. But here's my six, and I'll explain why. If you ask, if you had to ask me today who my top six are, Brown, Huggins, Bruce, Harbor, Russell, uh, Larverdane, and Doty. The reason why I have Doty in there right now at that six. Number one, the staff lo- loves Doty. They love what he does. And if you go back and you listen to both what Dal Loggins and Spencer Rattler talked about, what he gives them at wide receiver last year, it shouldn't surprise you if you see Doty in that top six to start the year. With how young that wide receiver room is, combined with the fact that you'll likely be having a young quarterback start, and Doty can be a much-needed security blanket because he arguably understands the offense better than anyone out there because of his background as a quarterback. He gets to see it from a different perspective. He's a quarterback playing wide receiver. He brings a very unique perspective. He saw that at times. We, we saw that at times this past season with him and Rattler, leading to Rattler praising Doty for just that. So I think I think with Doty, on top of the fact that if you go back to this year, and I'm not trying to compare the two, but what, what did we notice early on in the year? South Carolina wanted a running back that they felt confident in. And that running back, and comfortable, I should say more than anything, that running back was to carry on Joyner. You look at that wide receiver room right now. Again, Doty, your most productive wide receiver, coming back from a year ago. And we've been hearing that he'll be mainly playing in that room now more than ever. I expect that to be the case heading into week one. Now, having said that, what does that do for guys like Codwell, Bennett, Gatling? I mean, we can keep going down the list. I think what people need to remember is when we talk about Gatlin and, and Mazio and Mazio, I've, I've, I know more about Mazio simply because he was committed long. He's been committed longer to South Carolina. So I was able to follow him a little bit more Gatlin. Of course, some of the things he did, especially his first couple of years of high school. I mean, he was a max prep all American as a freshman and sophomore as a senior. He did some great things too. And being able to get him to flip from Texas A&M is massive for the Gamecocks. But what people need to remember, especially with those two guys, they're two freshmen. They're true freshmen. Not every freshman is going to go out there and play more than four games, right? Not every freshman needs to be playing more than four games because you think about it from the big picture standpoint. And I know there'll be people out there who'll be like, well, you know, you can't worry about that. You know, there's the transfer portal. So be it. That's what happened to Pup Howard. I know Pup wanted to be closer to home. I know those those were the reports. But as I talked about, he also didn't want to trust the process. They felt like he wasn't ready to go out there and play as many games as he wanted to as a freshman. And that bothered him. So I bring that up because these are some of the things that these younger wide receivers, they're going to have to remind themselves, not just younger wide receivers, but younger players in general. But you have two true freshmen on the roster. and. Again, when you look at that room, even though there's some talent out there and they've proved their talent at other schools, there's a lot less proven talent in that room as far as what they've done at South Carolina. In a perfect world, Brown, Huggins, Bruce, and Larverdine, they're able to go out there and they're able to ball out. I mean, they bring a combined 99 collegiate games played into the Gamecock wide receiver room that lacks experience. And that's an understatement. I mean, in fact, Harbor, as a rising sophomore, has played the most snaps at wide receiver for any returning South Carolina wide receiver. Again, that's at wide receiver since Doty has also played QB in the past. The point is the trio will be bringing in some much-needed experience to a young wide receiver room that needs more competition to push as well as teach the young guns. A lot of talent in that room, though. 
A lot of talent. Let me see. What we got over here? Gatling is your sleeper, one says. All right. Martin says, I can't wait for the day we get to see Harbor in open field once uh, once we want to see his track speed is what you're trying to get at. Okay. You want to see his track speed. I think that will, I mean, what he's doing right now, and we'll give you updates as we uh, as we continue to see how Harbor's doing from a track standpoint. He's doing some good things right now, but we'll keep you guys posted throughout the offseason. But, man, I just envision that like screen pass, that bubble screen to Harbor, or he somehow gets open underneath, and he just turns on the Jets, kind of like what we saw with Xavier Leggett in a touchdown earlier in the season where it was a crossing route and he just burned everybody. Edwin goes, Harbor commands help over the top. If you run it better, his speed will open up the field for everyone. No question. And there's obviously multiple layers to that, right? I mean, you look at that talented running back room that South Carolina has, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to have success, right? Well, there's a couple things to that. Number one, how does the offensive line look? I mean, we've done our breakdowns, our early breakdowns on the offensive line room. A lot of production in that room as far as proven talent. Certainly you're losing experience with Wanamaker and Trey Jones stepping away from the game within the last couple of weeks. But I think more than anything, you look at the talent that's coming in, the talent that has already played, especially the young talent from this past year, which Ron Baugh, and the Louis and Bobolade having to play as true freshmen on top of the players that you're getting back from injury from a year ago. There's a lot to be excited about as far as South Carolina's offensive line. Now, as we all know, you can have all the talent in the world in that offensive line room. What does it look like, though, as a unit, as you try to piece the five best players together? And on top of that, they've been able to bring in some talented guys from the transfer portal as well. So how does USC's offensive line room look as far as figuring out, okay, what's that rapport between these five, right? Give us five. That's a wait and see kind of question. But if they're able to do that, it's going to help out, obviously, a very talented running back room. But on top of that, it's going to help out what will be likely a very young quarterback. You'd be able to run the football. And if you're able to do those things, what's going to happen? Defenses are going to have to put an extra guy in the box. They're going to get sucked up a little bit more. It's going to create more one-on-one matchups on the outside. And for a guy like Harbor, like you said, teams might have to put someone over the top just to slow him down. And he might he may, might be more like a decoy at times, right? Simply because teams are going to have to respect his speed. And if they don't bring an extra guy down in the box because they're more worried about Harbor burning them over the top, then like you mentioned, Edwin, you're able to get the run game going. Martin piggybacks off of what Edwin mentioned. Edwin, I agree. He opened up things for Leggett because they were scared of Harbor beating them with his speed. So, and William says, so Harbor plays decoy. I don't think it's necessarily he's playing decoy. I know I mentioned decoy. He can be a decoy at times if you need him to be. At the end of the day, you want him to obviously have production, right? You think of that movie, what was it, with uh, Martin Lawrence, Rebound? What do they call the big, goofy, tall kid? Was it the sledgehammer or something, the hammer? You know, I don't think anyone's looking at Harbor and thinking, all right, our best bet of winning football games is for him to be like that and to be the decoy. But when you're that gifted and you have that much ability just to run by guys, if he's able to make a difference, especially especially early on in the season with being able to catch some passes and goes out deep, being able to do stuff like that will only help him um, and will only help the offense more than anything. So, yeah, I'm very excited to see what South Carolina is able to do as far as that goes. So we shall see. We shall see. Craig. Ads Russell is a good route runner. He's twitchy, just needs to work on his hands. Yeah. I mean, look, and there's there's been cases, if you go back, 
and you think of some of the talented Gamecock receivers that have come out of South Carolina, I mean, I, I don't want to make a direct comparison, but this was something that I heard early on. I mean, you, you think about Demir Bird. I mean, Demir Bird struggled early on in his career. He did some pretty good things at South Carolina when it was all said and done. He's had a nice long career in the NFL. So I say that because how guys like Russell, how guys like Harbor, how they look, how they look this year, once we get out to the spring, once you figure out who the starting quarterback's going to be, you're assuming it will be sellers, but how they look in this year, that that key jump from freshman to sophomore year will be very important. And that's not to say that if those guys still struggle, that they're lost causes, right? You look at a guy like Xavier Leggett last year. I mean, Xavier really struggled uh, at, at moments even the, the previous season, right? I mean, you think back to, who was it? Was it the South Carolina State game? Yeah, the two drops, they led to interceptions. I mean, some of the comments that were being made about Leggett. I mean, people didn't even want to see him play receiver again at South Carolina. How quickly people forget about that. How quickly people forget about that. So um, Martin brings up Josh Van and his struggles with drops as a freshman, but he improved. Yeah. So, and I think the other thing too is, and this is no disrespect to Justin Stepp. I think Justin Stepp's going to do some great things in that tight end room. And as you heard from Beamer, it, it sounds like they want to be able to use their tight ends more in the passing game. And when you look at what they have in that room with Josh Simon, all right, and of course, Brady Hunt coming in from Ball State. Combine that with the fact that you have a very young and unproven wide receiver room that you're going to be trying to figure out probably for a couple weeks of the season. Having some tight ends that can make a difference in the passing game can help you out a lot. Now, of course, last year, because of the inability to block consistently with the offensive line, and some of that had to do with the fact that they were just so banged up, throwing different guys in there each week, it felt like, for the first couple weeks of the season. If the blocking is able to figure things out early on, right, they're able to figure that out. Now you don't have to ask your tight ends to have to block as much, and you can get them more involved in the passing game. So I say all that to go back to the wide receiver room to say that you have a new wide receiver coach coming in there, and James Coley. And Coley has had a lot of success at Georgia, A&M, Florida State. I mean, keep going down the list. I bring these things up to say that he's going to come in there and he might be exactly what South Carolina needs to be able to overcome some of those, some woes. So I think it's going to be a good, good transition. It's going to be, I mean, it's challenging. I'm sure, you know, Justin Sepp's not thrilled about, you know, leaving the wide receiver room, especially a lot of those guys that he recruited. But having said that, when you look at trying to get this team over the hump, it could help out a lot for sure. It can help out a lot for sure. Question is, will they give Lewis Solomon a look on offense? I'll never say never, but at least right now it doesn't look that way. It looks like they'll be focusing on defense with him. I'll slide this down so you can see the defensive side of the ball. And honestly, when you look at South Carolina's cornerback room, I'm interested to see if Solomon gets any work at nickel. And the reason I say that is you see Spalding, right? When I think of the room with the nickels, I think Spalding. I obviously think Kilgore and what he was able to do last year. I think Kilgore would be your starting nickel, quite frankly, with Spalding behind him. And then depending on situations, if they put Kilgore at safety and then, you know, he could have Spalding come in at nickel. But I also think that Solomon, just based on watching his tape, the way that he attacks the football, the way that he is just, he just, he's the type, he's a ball hawk. Whenever the ball's in the air, gets tipped, whatever the case may be, he's always there. Always there. Very lengthy plays physical, it could really help South Carolina out a lot if he's able to figure out that position. And that's not to say 
that he'll be that guy that will play nickel this year because, again, going back to it, I mean, some of these guys, the freshmen. You're not going to have every freshman play more than four games this year. But having said all that, I also think that's a position that we should keep an eye on for him. And as we've seen over the last couple of years, I know last year they struggled with that position at times, trying to figure out the right combination. But as I shared before, I feel like one of the reasons why they struggled with it is because once Nick Eamon Worry was healthy, now you have Eamon Worry, and now you have Kilgore back out there. On top of that, you have DQ Smith. Now, all three of those guys, whether it be from two seasons ago or from this past season, all three of those guys received All-American honors in some shape, way, or form. So it's difficult to keep one of those guys off. And obviously it was evident once Kilgore got an opportunity to be on the field that he deserved to stay on the field. So I think they have a better idea of how they're going to attack it this year. But it will be interested to see how things play out in that cornerback room. Um, Emery Floyd, and where is this? Martin says, will Emery Floyd play more this year? Better be ready to. Judge Collier, another one. When you look at the situation at cornerback, you I mean you need to at least have three guys that you can count on, but if not four, I'd say really. And that's not even including nickel. I mean, I, I nickel's its own little beast. When we do our early breakdown of the position, though, we'll include nickel in the cornerback room. So that's why you'll probably see Spalding and You'll see Kilgore's name up here on both the safeties one. But um, I think when you look at, I mean, that, there's multiple positions right now that I don't want to say worry you, but there's a lot of question marks, right? I mentioned the wide receiver room simply because even though they've been able to, to bring in some talent, how does it mesh together, right? Quarterback room, very young. Corner back room very thin as far as proven talent then you move up a level right you move up to the linebacker room a lot of experience in that room a lot of experience move up to the defensive line level right d tackles edge defense events a lot of experience so and then you look at safeties even though you know it wasn't a banner year for the secondary as a whole, you still have a lot of talent in that safety room. And as I've mentioned before in the past, not being able to put pressure on, consistent pressure on the quarterback as well as creating tackles for a loss, I think it led to a lot of the miscues in the secondary. Because as I've mentioned before, you can have some of the greatest defensive backs in the world. But at some point, if you're not putting pressure on the quarterback and you're not able to get to the quarterback, I don't care who you have in the secondary. It's going to be difficult to be able to stick with your guys. some point, you're going to get burnt. That's just the reality of it. All right, having said all that, let's wrap things up today, huh? Today's show is always, as always, is brought to you by Clint Hammond. If you're in the process of purchasing a home or you're thinking about going through that process, do the same thing that our very own Wes Mitchell did, as well as former Gamecock quarterback and captain Perry Orth. They gave Clint a call. 803-771-6933. And today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Liberty Tax. Liberty Tax, they know that tax season is right around the corner. And if you're like me, you're trying to get everything in order. Well, they can help you overcome tax anxiety this tax season. Give them a call at 803-462-5576. Uh, once again, big thank you to former Gamecock tight end and Super Bowl champ, of the L.A. Rams, Kyle Markway, joining us on the program today to talk about his old coach, Joe D. Camillus, the new special teams coordinator for South Carolina, who will be introduced tomorrow, as we tape this on Thursday. He'll be introduced on Friday, February 2nd, at 10.45 a.m. Shane Beamer will be there as well, so be sure to head on over to GamecockCentral.com. We'll have a link for you so you can get updates if you're at work and you're not able to watch it. We'll be able to type away and give you everything that you need to know but we'll also have a link for you guys to watch it there as well. In addition, if you missed any of that interview with Kyle, 
That interview is going to be uploaded shortly on Gamecock Central, so you can either go back and watch this show in its entirety, or you can just head on over and you'll be able to find the entire Kyle Markway interview. Or if you're a podcast listener, we'll have all of this uploaded on the Gamecock Central Podcast Network as well. Appreciate everyone that tuned in today. Enjoy the basketball games taking place this weekend, and we will see you on Tuesday for GC Live, Talking Tuesdays. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.